0: Today we're reading Leviticus chapters 22 and 23. This is the new King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. We begin chapter 22 of Leviticus with some special stipulations for priests. Verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons that they separate themselves from the holy things of the children of Israel, and that they do not profane my holy name by what they dedicate to me. I am the Lord. Say to them, Whoever of all your descendants throughout your generations who goes near the holy things which the children of Israel dedicate to the Lord, while he has uncleanness upon him, that person shall be cut off from my presence, I am the Lord. Whatever man of the descendants of Aaron who is a leper or has a discharge shall not eat the holy offerings until he is clean. And whoever touches anything made unclean by a corpse, or a man who has had an emission of semen, or whoever touches any creeping thing by which he would be made unclean, or any person by whom he would become unclean, whatever his uncleanness may be, the person who has touched any such thing shall be unclean until evening, and shall not eat the holy offerings unless he washes his body with water. And when the sun goes down, he shall be clean. And afterward he may eat the holy offerings, because it is his food." Whatever dies naturally, or is torn by beast, he shall not eat, to defile himself with it. I am the Lord. They shall therefore keep my ordinance, lest they bear sin for it, and die thereby, if they profane it. I, the Lord, sanctify them. No outsider shall eat the holy offering. One who dwells with the priest, or a hired servant, shall not eat the holy thing. But if the priest buys a person with his money, he may eat it, and one who is born in his house may eat his food. If the priest's daughter is married to an outsider, she may not eat of the holy offerings. But if the priest's daughter is a widow or divorced, and has no child, and has returned to her father's house as in her youth, she may eat her father's food, but no outsider shall eat it. And if a man eats the holy offering unintentionally, then he shall restore a holy offering to the priest and add one-fifth to it. They shall not profane the holy offerings of the children of Israel, which they offer to the Lord, or allow them to bear the guilt of trespass when they eat their holy offerings, for I the Lord sanctify them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons and to all the children of Israel, and say to them, Whatever man of the house of Israel or of the strangers in Israel who offers his sacrifice for any of his vows or for any of his freewill offerings, which they offer to the Lord as a burnt offering, you shall offer of your own freewill a male without blemish from the cattle, from the sheep, or from the goats. Whatever has a defect, ye shall not offer, for it shall not be acceptable on your behalf. And whoever offers a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord to fulfill his vow or a freewill offering from the cattle or the sheep, it must be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no defect in it. Those that are blind or broken or maimed, or have an ulcer or eczema or scabs, you shall not offer to the Lord, or make an offering by fire of them on the altar to the Lord. Either a bull or a lamb that has any limb too long or too short, you may offer as a freewill offering, but for a vow it shall not be accepted. You shall not offer to the Lord what is bruised, or crushed, or torn, or cut, nor shall you make any offering of them in your land. Nor from a foreigner's hand shall you offer any of these things as the bread of your God, because their corruption is in them, and defects are in them. They shall not be accepted on your behalf. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, When a bull, or a sheep, or a goat is born, it shall be seven days with its mother, And from the eighth day and thereafter it shall be accepted as an offering made by fire to the Lord. Whether it is a cow or you, do not kill both her and her young on the same day. And when you offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord, offer it of your own free will. On the same day it shall be eaten, you shall leave none of it until morning. I am the Lord. Therefore you shall keep my commandments and perform them. I am the Lord." You shall not profane my holy name, but I will be hallowed among the children of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. The Hebrew word nazar, translated separate themselves from in verse 2, means that the priest should treat the holy things as sacred or sanctified. In keeping with that introduction to this chapter, A priest with any of the issues of uncleanness found in the preceding chapters would make that priest disqualified for any of his ceremonial duties. We see that in verses 1 through 9. Several, but not all of those incidents which cause one to be unclean are specified in verses 4 through 8. Now, notice the gravity of such a blatant disregard by the priest of this provision when in verse 3 it says, "...that soul shall be cut off from my presence." No stranger was to eat a sanctified thing. We see that in verses 10 through 16. We see in Leviticus chapters 1 through 7 that some of the sacrifices made by the priest on behalf of the people, like the peace offerings, also specified that a portion of that sacrifice would provide food for the priest and the Levites. If the priest happened to have outside guests in his home when he arrived there with his altar food, only those born in that household or slaves bought by the priest were permitted to partake. Since no cattle were to be slaughtered outside of this procedure of sacrificing, if you wanted to partake of some of the meat of the herd, your own herd, it was necessary to bring it to the priest as a peace offering. The one who brought the sacrifice was able to take a portion of the meat back with him to his own house for consumption, while the priest was given a portion for his household, and that's according to Leviticus chapter 17. Now here's a rather humorous deduction here. It occurs to me that without this provision on behalf of the priest, those priests would come home to a house full of guests every day. I mean, what some folks won't do for a good steak. Oh, and the priest's daughter lost the benefit when she married, according to verse 12. In that scenario, the daughter of the priest lost her meal ticket as well. However, verse 13 says, in essence, lose the husband and you get your meal ticket back again. And don't even think about bringing an inferior animal for sacrifice, we see in verses 17 to 28. Those offerings would not be accepted. There are some interesting provisions in verses 27 to 28 that protect an animal from being sacrificed, if only for a few additional days. All cattle were permitted to live at least for their first seven days in this world. According to verse 29, there was no specified occasion for these offerings, They were to be offered, it says, of your own free will. Verse 30 specifies that the Hebrews could not stockpile their meat. It had to be eaten the same day it was offered before the priest. These offerings were just as much a part of the Mosaic law as those offerings that were mandated according to verses 31 through 33. In chapter 23 of Leviticus, we have a listing of the Jewish feast or festivals. Verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, the feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. These are the feast of the Lord, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed times. On the fourteenth day of the first month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. And on the fifteenth day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. But you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord for seven days. The seventh day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, SPEAK TO THE CHILDREN OF ISRAEL AND SAY TO THEM, WHEN YOU COME INTO THE LAND WHICH I GIVE TO YOU AND REAP ITS HARVEST, THEN YOU SHALL BRING A SHEAF OF THE FIRSTFRUITS OF YOUR HARVEST TO THE PRIEST. HE SHALL WAVE THE SHEAF BEFORE THE LORD TO BE ACCEPTED ON YOUR BEHALF ON THE DAY AFTER THE SABBATH THE PRIEST SHALL WAVE IT. AND YOU SHALL OFFER ON THAT DAY WHEN YOU WAVE THE SHEAF A MALE LAMB OF THE FIRST YEAR WITHOUT BLEMISH AS A BURNT OFFERING TO THE LORD." It's grain offering shall be two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering made by fire to the Lord for a sweet aroma, and its drink offering shall be of wine one-fourth of a hen. You shall eat neither bread nor parched grain nor fresh grain until the same day that you have brought an offering to your God. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings." And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Count fifty days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. You shall bring from your dwellings two wave loaves of two-tenths of an ephah. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. They are the first fruits to the Lord." And you shall offer with the bread seven lambs of the first year without blemish, one young bull and two rams. They shall be as a burnt offering to the Lord with their grain offering and their drink offerings and an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma to the Lord. Then you shall sacrifice one kid of the goats as a sin offering and two male lambs of the first year as a sacrifice of a peace offering. The priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits as a wave offering before the Lord With the two lambs they shall be holy to the Lord for the priest. And you shall proclaim on the same day that it is a holy convocation to you. You shall do no customary work on it. It shall be a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout your generations. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field when you reap, nor shall you gather any gleaning from your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God." Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month on the first day of the month you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also the tenth day of the seventh month shall be the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. And you shall do no work on that same day, for it is the day of atonement, to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For any person who is not afflicted in soul on that same day shall be cut off from his people. And any person who does any work on that same day, that person I will destroy from among his people." You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest, and you shall afflict your souls. On the ninth day of the month at evening, from evening to evening, you shall celebrate your Sabbath. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days to the Lord. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. For seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a sacred assembly, and you shall do no customary work on it. These are the feasts of the Lord which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to offer an offering made by fire to the Lord, a burnt offering and a grain offering, a sacrifice and drink offerings, everything on its day. Besides the Sabbaths of the Lord, besides your gifts, besides all your vows, and besides all your freewill offerings which you give to the Lord. Also on the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. On the first day there shall be a Sabbath rest, and on the eighth day a Sabbath rest." And you shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, the boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord, your God, for seven days. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses declared to the children of Israel the feasts of the Lord. Now, these feasts found in chapter 23 are, as I mentioned, festivals. We see the word feast and we think food but the Hebrew word here for feast means an appointed time or season. In other words, we're talking about special Jewish holidays. Seven of the feasts observed by the Jews are found here in Leviticus chapter 23. Two feasts originated later on in Jewish history, the Feast of Dedication, also known as Lights or Hanukkah, and Purim. I've provided a table showing these uh, feasts and break it out for you. And we'll go over that table in just a moment, but first of all, let me point out the extreme importance placed upon the observance of the Day of Atonement in verse 29. And here's what it says, that if you decline to do so, you shall be cut off from among his people. The detailed instructions for this special day are found in Leviticus chapter 16. So, let's take a look at these festivals, these feasts. Now, there are three feasts when the Hebrews were to gather together. That's according to Exodus chapter 34, verse 23. These three feasts are the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, also known as Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths. Later on in Jewish history, these three festivals were the times when Jews tried to make a pilgrimage back to Jerusalem. So let's go through these feasts that are mentioned in Leviticus chapter 23. First, there was the Passover Feast, which was the 14th day of the first month, and it commemorated God's deliverance of the Hebrews from Egypt. This was the time when the Jews observed the Passover meal. Incidentally, Jesus was crucified as our Passover lamb on the day of Passover. Then there's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This began the day after the Passover, the 15th day of the first month. They ate unleavened bread for seven days, no work on the first day. Uh, By the way, the Passover day, the day of Passover itself, was a work day. It wasn't a no work day. But no work on the first day of the uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread, which follows the Passover. It marked the beginning of the barley harvest. It was the first of three annual trips back to Jerusalem later on in Jewish history. Thirdly, we have the Feast of first fruits. It was the first Sunday after Nisan the 15th. It accompanied the offering of the first harvested barley to God. Then we have the Feast of Weeks, also known as Pentecost, Day of Pentecost. That was 50 days after the first Sabbath following the Passover. That made it always on a Sunday. It marked the end of the early summer wheat harvest. The Hebrew word for week is also translated seven. Literally, Pentecost was exactly seven weeks to the day after the Feast of Firstfruits. It was the second of three annual trips to Jerusalem. Then we have the Feast of Trumpets, also known as Rosh Hashanah. It's the first day of the seventh month, Tishri. They had special trumpet blasts that day, no work on that day, and then special offerings were made. Then the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. It's a day of fasting on the tenth day of the seventh month, Tishri, again. Special offerings by the high priest to atone sins of Israel, and that was um, to take care of a full year. No work on that day. It was a day of fasting. And then the Feast of Tabernacles, also known as the Feast of Booths. It was from the 15th to the 22nd day of the seventh month, which is Tishri. It marked the beginning of a new agricultural year. It was symbolized by the construction of booths decorated with greenery for the harvesters. It was a third of three annual trips back to Jerusalem. Then we have two that aren't really listed in Leviticus chapter 23 at all, but they are listed in Scripture. The Feast of Dedication, uh, which uh, Jews today observe as Hanukkah, uh, it's referred to in John chapter 10, verse 22. It's the 25th day of the ninth month, Kislev, and it's observed for eight days. This uh, feast was instituted around 164 B.C. after the death of Antiochus Epiphanes. The temple was cleansed after he had desecrated it. It was commemorated over an eight-day period of lighting candles on an eight-candle lamp. And then finally, the Feast of Purim, or the Feast of Lots, is what it's called. It's recorded in Esther chapter 9, verses 18 to 32. It was the 14th and 15th days of the 12th month, Adar. It commemorates a time when the Jewish people living in Persia were saved from extermination. Now, I should conclude here by saying that the Hebrew calendar doesn't track with um, the calendar that we use, the Gregorian calendar. Uh, it actually has leap months. And because of that, uh, your birthday, for instance, in uh, America, would not be on the same Jewish day on the calendar each year, uh, or vice versa. And so I have an explanation of that. And by the way, I have um, under the topic section of BibleTrack.org, you can look at an article entitled The Jewish Calendar. And what we've gone over here is an article entitled Jewish Feast that you may also find on the topic section of BibleTrack.org. So I've often commented to my friends that if you want to maximize your annual vacation days, then perhaps you should become a Messianic Jewish civil service worker in the United States of America. You can't get more holidays than that.